Well, isn't that the exciting part of Christianity? Yeah. You know, he takes us on, usually in spite of us. Yeah. And then we get the privilege to look back and see his faithfulness and mm. go, wow. Yeah. You know, people ask me and say, you know, um, what is, you know, being a, um, married to the same woman? We, we celebrated uh, 52 years mm. of being Valentine's mm. and um, mm. uh, 50 years of marriage. And there's just one word, just God's grace. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. We have with us today uh, a friend who, of the ministry that has been here since the beginning of the Torchbearer Ministry. He was a student and then uh, later on became a pastor and, and uh, even came back and, and worked uh, a year on staff with us. Uh, a lot of you alumni will recognize him uh, because he's been, I believe he's been a guest speaker pretty much every year. So anyway, we have Bob Burles with us today. Bob, hello. Okay, good. Good to see you, Kelly. It's good to see you. It's it's uh, exciting to have you with us. I know you just uh, had lunch with my son-in-law, Tylen. He's been looking forward to having you back. And, uh, you know, anybody that knows Bob uh, understands why we get excited and look forward to having him here. He's, he's very personable. Uh, he's uh, very open. And uh, most importantly, he's very Christ-centered. And, and that's something that I have always appreciated uh, very much about Bob. Bob, uh, for those who haven't, you know, had you as a speaker, don't know your testimony, don't know how you came to know Christ, let's, let's talk about that some. Um, how, uh, first of all, where did you grow up? Reno, Nevada, born and raised. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how many siblings? Two. Two siblings. I was the middle child. Okay. Crazy oh. and wild. <laughs> Did you grow up in a Christian home? No. Okay. No. Well, well, what was what was it like growing up in a non-Christian home? Well, now that I'm a Christian, I realized that it was uh, pretty crazy and wild. Mm. It was uh, a hard time, uh, a lot of uh, infighting with my siblings, Um and really, um, I know I have a middle child complex, but didn't like my parents, you know, okay. because uh, my older brother was the one that opened the womb. So he was my mom's favorite. And then the younger one, he was the baby. And so I was stuck in the middle. Okay. Classic um, middle uh, child syndrome. Yeah, middle child syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if it wasn't a Christian, what? what what was, um, did the, there's a family business, right? Yes. Okay. And was it already going when you? Yeah. Mom and dad started a wholesale produce company right after World War II in Reno. And, um, you know, I, I worked there, um, before I could drive, hmm. you know, I mean, uh, stacking lemons, really you know, unloading trucks. And so, um, you know, I sort of felt like I was the only one that worked my two, old, my, my other two. Uh, siblings were were there. Um, we all got paid the same, which was not very much. And um, but they were never around. So no, oh, really, you know, the complex got worse. Okay, really right. bad. I mean, to physical fighting. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And is that business still around? Yeah, it's still um, prospering by God's grace through COVID and all the rest. Um, when everything was shut down, we weren't allowed to shut down because we were essential. Essential, yeah. Essential. So, um, yeah, we had to uh, um, use the uh, PPP, um, and by God's grace, that was all forgiven. 
but um, it was a tough time. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so, so tell us, how did you end up coming to know Jesus? Well, um, my, my life was pretty much what uh, the world would say, widen women in song. Okay. And uh, all through high school and uh, my first two years of college were pretty much um, a blur now. Um, probably an alcoholic mm. when I was in college. Uh, joined a drinking fraternity, um, which was not a good thing to do. Mm. <laughs> but uh, um, I really lived my life uh, the way I wanted to. My parents um, were good in the context they cared about us, but um, could do pretty much do what I wanted. And so um, it was. I was a pre-veterinarian um, um, major. And so we were in a lot of the science classes, and I um, met a young lady that uh, was um, probably uh, an inspiration. Um, she was different um, than I was, and I was. Uh, I told my friends that I'm going to bring her down to my level. Okay. And she. Um, Actually, uh, senate, uh, consented to go out with me at the end of the semester, right before finals, because my uh, grade point was so poor, uh, 1.6, first semester of college. <laughs> you were partying. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, really uh, thought that was great. Uh, put on academic probation, mm. and then I met this young lady, and um, she was different. Just attracted to her. Mm. And so... Um, and she, we were lab partners. Well, she was lab uh, next to me. We were in comparative anatomy, dissecting cats. Really? Yeah. And uh, big old feral cats that uh, they inject their arteries and their veins and the uh, different uh, hepatic portal systems with different color of latex. And, you know, you had to know every part. You had to know every muscle. And um, she was always on the team. She would always get the A, you know, in the class. And yeah. so I said, well, how am I going to get her attention? And so I figured that if I could get a better score than she could, you know, I at least would take notice. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd come intoxicated to lab at times, and uh, she'd have nothing, nothing to do with me. Wow. And so um, we had a, actually, I can remember the test very well. It was on the hepatic portal system, talking about how our uh, uh, liver and how our stomach and all that works. And it was in yellow, for latex. And the test was always, you put a pin in one of the veins and you have to name it. Okay, you know? okay. And so, um, got the test back and the professor would always say who was the highest score. Okay. You know, and this young lady was always consistently right there. And so uh, when I got a better score than she did. Wow. Yeah, everybody went, wow. <laughs> <laughs> said, Bob Burroughs, he got, you know. And uh, so I figured that I uh, got her attention, um, asked her to go out right at the end of the semester, right before finals, knowing that she probably wouldn't. But uh, she was a student that um, really studied all semester, mm. you know. So uh, we went out, and um, the next weekend she had another date. I was just, I said, what are you doing going out with another guy? His name was um, Daniel Boone. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, even a name like that, how can he? <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, 
after our first date, um, we started dating. But it wasn't dating. It was going to the library to study. Well, that was safe. Yeah, it was safe. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even know we had a library on campus. Just <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, my one six. Uh, went to a 3.5 at graduation. Oh, wow. You know, and, um, you know, God was very gracious. But in that time, um, this young lady um, had enough commitment to Christ that she would actually tell me, you know, sex outside of marriage is an abomination to the Lord. Mm. And, you know, you talk about a uh, putting cold water on a, maybe a hot situation, you know, and so I said, okay, and I'd started going to church with her and Bible study with her, and she, uh, um, one night, when she told me that, um, the very next night we went to a Bible study, and the speaker had the same exact words. Really? Yeah. Sex outside of marriage is an abomination to the Lord. And so I... uh, Realized that there was a God that I hadn't heard about, you know, who was um, speaking to my heart. I hadn't cried probably since I was 10 years old, Mm. you know, no matter what discipline I had and, you know, um, ended up in jail and different things before. um, And I came to Christ that night. Wow. Um, Didn't say any special prayer. Didn't even know what I did. Okay. But um, in the midst of that... um, you know, God started changing my life, mm. and he did a pretty good job, you know, uh, still working. You know, that was 50, 51 years ago. Wow. You know, and uh, I became, a, well, 51 and a half years ago, and um, I asked that girl to marry me. What'd she say? <laughs> no. <laughs> she really did. Did she, she really? She said no. Tell us ta- about that. Four times. Oh, my goodness. And... uh uh, I don't think she would have ever married me, but uh, I had two ladies that were on my side, oh. her mom and her grandma. Oh, okay. And uh, she uh, Italian uh, uh, descent, uh, great-grandma, or Grandma Caparo said, you know, you know, there might be more to Bob than you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So-, so she finally said yes, and um, we... Uh, she was a pre-med student, fast track. She got one C in college, and that was in badminton. Oh, wow. You know, so she was quite the student. And uh, even when we came to his hill, she was quite the student, mm. you know, and still is. But um, she actually uh, said yes. Um, she was one year behind me in school. So that um, next year um, did a lot of jigsaw puzzles with her mom. And that gave us a great relationship. She has since gone to be with the Lord as well. But um, so, yeah, we got uh, married 50 years ago Okay, this year, August 5th. Great. How many kids do you have? We have three uh, adult children. Uh, our daughter is the oldest, and then we have two sons. And grandkids? Um, four grandchildren and uh, two grand dogs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're into fur babies, I guess. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> So you, um, you guys, you and Chris got married, and uh, what did you, did you go straight to his hill from there, or did you? No, we um, actually um, opened a, a branch of our uh, 
company um, in Elko, Nevada. Mm. Um, that was after uh, we got married. We went to graduate school in Arizona for a year. Um, we had an offer to start this branch, and we really felt like, you know, maybe that was what the Lord wanted us to do. Mm. And so we uh, packed up our bags, uh, had a great year in college, uh, of graduate school, um, and then um, at the church there. And I had never been, had anybody teach me the word, mm. you know, and um, he was um, a college career pastor, great brother. And he signed the going away card. He said, whatever you do. And he wrote John seventeen seventeen okay. on the card. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Mm. Thy word is truth. Mm. And uh, it's always stuck with me because nobody ever discipled me. Mm. And so we went to Nevada back to Nevada, and um, were there for, oh, well, four, three years before we uh, heard about uh, His Hill. Okay. Um, the, one of the assistant directors that came down and helped start the school, uh, we had uh, hired as a pastor, and I remember um, him preaching a, uh, a message about um, the Lord is looking. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Yeah, yeah. For any man, a woman, boy, or girl, whose heart is steadfast. I knew my heart wasn't, mm. but um, because of Christ. And I remember saying, I want to be that man. Mm. So we uh, made a commitment in 1975 to come to uh, his hill. Yeah, you were part of the very first student body. I'm the oldest alumni. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. right. Bob is the oldest His Hill alumni. Yeah. yeah. Not because I'm the, well, we have other students that uh, went through with me, but uh, I was the oldest age-wise. Right. And they were probably a lot older mature-wise. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I was telling the students this week um, that uh, I spent a lot of time on the tennis courts. Yeah. You know, and. Chris um, spent a lot of time in the Word. Mm. We both got out of what we put into his hill. Mm. You know, one grew in the Lord, and I was the best tennis player except for one funk up in uh, <laughs> <laughs> up in Pennsylvania. So um, never could beat him. And uh, but we both left. Um, we were asked to stay. We made it through the uh, summer, and uh, Chris was carrying our daughter and. I didn't want my kids born in Texas. That's oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Nevada. And uh, so we went home to have our children. Okay. And um, we went back and ran the company in Reno, our main office. And in uh, 1983, uh, my my dad and I went actually to Alaska salmon fishing. Really? Okay. And, wow. And that was when the, uh, Houston was booming and the oil, bo- you yeah. know, the oil boom and we went to a place, I don't know how we got there. I think the Lord was in it. And um, he, uh, we had everything given to us. You know, they'd fly us into a different river every uh, day. Mm. You know, we caught, we caught 100 silver salmon in one day. Oh, my goodness. And so it was, it was pretty phenomenal. And uh, at, before we left, we were teaching a um, Sunday school um, at the church. And we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. So you'll love the one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And boy, I saw mammon in Alaska. Mm. 
at that time, uh, we uh, had also, when we were down at Hillsdale, just jumping back, we would go down to San Antonio and pick up the guest speakers. Yeah. And um, one week we went down and it was sort of, I always liked going down and watching people and say, well, which one is he? You know, yeah. this, uh, this one guy came out and uh, Dr. Teresee Holbert, he was the dean of the graduate school in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. And so uh, he tried to talk us into, you know, coming to, you know, graduate school. Um, and the nice thing about it was both of our degrees, you didn't have to have a Bible degree. They had a program to get your master's uh, for non-Bible school students. Okay. okay. It sounded good, but I didn't want my kids born in Texas, <laughs> let alone South Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sort of bigot, you know. <laughs> so we uh, went and had our children. We had both of them, um, Dina and Steve, four years apart. Um, and then we went to South Carolina and go to uh, graduate school. Okay. And the Lord said, well, maybe you need to have another one. We never planned any of our kids. Uh, they're all four years apart. And um, God has a sense of humor. Our, our baby, who's now 36, um, was born in South Carolina. Okay, so, great. And we came from South Carolina, went back to uh, Nevada, and planted the church in Fallon, Nevada. Okay, what year was that? Uh, 1986. Okay. Yeah, graduated a three-year program, went and planted the church in, uh, in Fallon, and then we uh, served as a pastor there, um, a co-pastor. We saw God put two churches together, um, I was on staff in Reno at uh, the church there and First Baptist Church in Fallon, mm. got a new pastor, and it was neat to see God bind two men's hearts together. Mm. At the time, I had melanoma cancer. I was in San Francisco when they voted with the melanoma clinic, and you know God was gracious. He was in the middle of it and um, started seeing God bless you know the ministry. Mm. And so the rest is sort of history, watching to see uh, God move in the hearts of people. So how long were you pastoring there? Uh, I was a pastor for 10 years, um, and we started uh, doing uh, camp ministry for the kids in the church. And we'd go up uh, to a place called Desert Creek, and we had um, two uh, things that were there. We had a, a, a creek that... Uh, we camped alongside of an outhouse. Okay. <laughs> and we took everything else. And it was really more of a family camp for the church. Sure. But uh, it was pretty phenomenal to mm -hmm. see uh, these kids come. And um, we had um, shooting from, uh, led by a, uh, the commander of the Navy SEALs in oh, Fallon. Wow. And he took all of his trophies and changed the... Uh, the facing and said best girl score and best boy score. Oh, really? Yeah, and we brought um, a couple of uh, cooks from the cafeterias and the schools, and they did all the cooking, and uh, it was just a phenomenal time. Yeah, it sounds like it. And so um, we uh, felt like we impacted more people, more kids, and more people came to Christ in the uh, camp ministry, and we uh, said, well, we should maybe be looking at a camp, you know, mm -hmm. to have. And so we also needed a uh, music pastor. And, you know, 
we just felt maybe we should resign, give that um, the music pass to our salary and let him and his uh, family come, which he did. And Because you had a co-pastor, so the yeah, church had a pastor. They had a left. pastor. Yeah, yeah. And he was really um, a great uh, Bible teacher, good brother. Um, we're totally opposite. You know, he mm. would talk about, you know, I need at least, oh, maybe 35 hours a week to get my message ready. Really? Wow. Yeah. And I said, well, what about the Saturday night specials? <laughs> you know, that's, that's usually what I did. And uh, as long as it's the word of God. And he taught the word, and mm-hmm. it was good. And okay. so. Uh, yeah, I think we had a couple of students come to his hill from that church. Oh, very many. We still are getting, you know, kids coming. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was telling the students this week that, you know, he had to fly into canada to do a wedding for kids that you know some canadian kids uh-huh, some uh-huh. uh you know i think we were in uh some would depend where the girl lived right you yeah know, the girl lived in uh fallon we'd have the wedding in fallon if the girl lived in uh edmonton canada yeah we'd have the wedding there right and so um yeah but they came down and it's neat to see and uh just today you know um spending time with your uh son-in-law and um one of the boys that was a student seven years ago um, from Australia, mm-hmm. you know, a good mate. He'd always <laughs> say, you're a good mate, Bob. And, uh, but to see the impact that, you know, this school has had, mm. you know. So, yeah, um, it's been exciting to be able to come back and, and to teach. But my burden's always been discipleship. Right. Yeah, and that, that's always been very obvious, too. You know, yeah. You know, to, because uh, I never was. mm yeah, and I, I've always appreciated that about you because um, you would lock in to, you know, one or two boys and, and just really pour into them, really spend time with them. I remember um, we had some students from your church one year, and uh, one or maybe maybe two of them were in my discipleship group. You came to as a guest speaker that week, and you wanted to go with their discipleship group. And I could tell there was there was a, a strong relationship between you and these students from your church, um, and they they loved you. You know they were really challenged by you, and I and, and something I, I noticed with you is that you were insistent that they be in the Word and they know the Word, and I I was I was challenged by that you know, and encouraged by that. Um, but they, and and I, I know these guys, and I know that some of them have gone through some rough stuff as adults. But they, th- having that, having that influence, I think was key for them in in moving on and, and growing, and and they've done well, you know. Uh, even even though they've had hard knocks, you know, they've they've done well, and they're and they're, you can still see their heart, their their desire. You know, for for more, even I, I I know that there was even some you would talk about these weddings that you would do. Uh, some of these guys were not were not from your church, but they ended up coming to your church after meeting the girls from your church, and uh, and and to see the you know the to see their their growth uh, in, in that relationship and, ha- and having with you that you know I think is a great example for us to to um to to see and to know and understand that we we do need the the older men need to be plugging in to the younger men and 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 uh insisting 
you know, really challenging them toward Christ and to be dependent upon him. I, uh, I'm really, I guess you, you could say I'm concerned with some of the things I see in our church today. You know, and I, I mean church worldwide. You know, uh, we have students that come to his hill every year. And something that we have seen consistently is a growing biblical illiteracy of things that I remember being taught in Sunday school and in a small church, you know. And I, I remember the first time that happened, uh, first time I noticed it, I was teaching and just mentioned, um, just in passing, uh, that the you know that the Jacob wrestling with Christ, and this hand comes up in the middle of the lecture, and I said, "Yeah, what's the question?" And she said, "Are you saying that this is Jesus?" And I said, "Yeah." And I looked around at the rest of the class, and I asked them, "How many of you are hearing this for the first time?" And these are all Christian kids that have, you know, come from Christian homes, and and hands came up all over the place, and that staggered me. Because I, I realized, oh my goodness, we have to back up. And we need to cover a lot of things here and not just assume. And again, this was stuff that I was taught as a child. Sure. Um, and so I guess what has concerned me is is that, is, is you know, what, what kind of example of godly men do these people have? And what do they, and anybody that's listening that is not, you know, that, that hasn't been a part of Torchbearers, yeah, I just want to encourage you to, you know, especially especially you men, are are you, and not exclusively the men, the women too, are you plugging in to these younger men and younger boys and girls, encouraging them toward Christ, living a life before them that that whereby they can see a difference. Uh, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's not. It's well, not. It is. Yeah. You know, we we see and um, looking, and I feel the same way looking at. Um, the new generations, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not sure if it's just because the way they may have been raised, or because they never got the truth, mm. you know, of uh, what it really means to be a Christian. I never heard Christ in you, right. the hope of glory. I heard, you know, Christ, you know, wants to be your savior, yeah. you know, and uh, come forward and uh, bow down on the. Um, altar and mm-hmm. uh, say the right words, but mm-hmm. I never heard that uh, Christ wants to be more than just a savior. Right, He wants to be the Lord. Right, and so um, I think that it's being missed in a lot of the churches. And um, I always say, well, you know, well, that's the torchbearer message. That's what drew me to to His hill. Mm. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. and I, I was ready to give up before uh, we came down to the school because we were. And we were married, no kids, you know, good job. So the, uh, the church says, well, you need to be uh, involved in youth. And so I said, that'd be great. You know, and then, well, you know, you own a business, you should be on the finance committee. Yeah. yeah. And, and so pretty soon we're doing everything. And I'm telling Chris to some, some days we'd uh, have a class and it went great. And other days, you know, I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And then I heard that, you're right, you can't, hmm. you know, and that was uh, the the message that we have taken, um, not just from, well, we've taken it from the Bible, not just from torchbearers, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, Christ, you know, says in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing, right. you know, and everybody says, well, 
Yeah, but Philippians uh, 4.13 says, I can do all things in Christ. And I said, you're right. Yeah. But it's in Christ. In Christ, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I think it's um, being missed. Um, and it's not being, I don't want to say pushed, but uh, kids don't have always the ears to hear. Mm. My prayer of the, before every class is, Lord, give me ears to hear and hearts to obey. Mm. You know, so, yeah, I think mm. that the... Uh, uh, it's not their fault. You know, it's the enemy. We, we forget we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but mm. against principalities mm. and powers. And so uh, it's been great to be here this week at, uh, at the Hill and uh, once again see kids that, you know, can get excited. Yeah. You know, and say, you know, yeah, you know. Yeah. I might not be all that, you know, uh, people want me to be, but... I want to be all that Christ wants to yeah, be. Yeah, amen. You know, I appreciate you taking it that way because I, I, I was wanting to point out that while the students come with a, each year with a growing biblical literacy, something else we've seen that's consistent is that as they sit down and they go into the Word with us, something really neat happens. Uh, we've had uh, people from the community come, uh, other guest speakers come in, and they consistently tell us there's something special about these kids. And I know they hate to be called kids, but at some point... <laughs> to me, they yeah, are. <laughs> I understand. And I'm getting to the point to where they just seem like that to me, too. But but um, I, I've i been so encouraged with what happens here because uh, th- this younger generation is showing me that they're tired of the fluff. They're tired of the seeker-friendly, and you know they don't even know what that is you know, right. because they've just grown up in that. But they're, they're tired of the fluff, and when they're offered something of substance, they just gravitate to it and latch on. Um, and, you know, it's, I remember, um, you know, I, I remember having a student one year come up to me in the, <laughs> this was the, I think it was the first or second full day of classes. And he said, if every time this was during a break, between classes and a lot of the students had come up, they were asking questions. And then he, so he's asking this in front of a bunch of people. And he said, if every time we open the Bible, we're going to look for Jesus, I'm going to have a hard time. And I said, well, you're going to have a long year. And he really took me to task. And, and the students were standing, they couldn't believe that he would be doing this because, you know, it's, it's early in the year. They don't understand that we're going to be very close. It's a discipleship ministry. We're going to talk pretty openly with each other. But they're just shocked that he's questioning me like this. The neat thing about it is he came to me about six, seven weeks later apologizing. And then about four years later, called me up he was teaching bible in a in a public school of all places and wanted to know if i'd be interested in coming out to speak to the kids wow and he told me i want you to know what i'm doing is teaching them every class i'm teaching them christ amen yeah and you know and that's that's the lord's faithfulness you know that he will he he will work this in people's hearts if they are willing to sit before him and wait on you know it's something that you and i were talking about before we started recording was god's faithfulness amen and you know i asked you is there anything that you want to make sure we talk about and you said yeah god's faithfulness (laughs) 
And uh, would you like to talk about that some right now? Well, I think that um, that's been the, um, the joy of the Christian life. You know, knowing that I can't, but he can, and to uh, see him faithful um, all our lives. From the moment of conception, he's been faithful. Now, I was 20 before I came to Christ, so his faithfulness sustained me through a lot of things that I couldn't not even be here this morning, you know, and recognize that his faithfulness took me. And then take us through the things that we have gone through um, with... Uh, friends that have died of COVID, mm. but uh, in our own family of seeing um, his faithfulness to our third child um, that we didn't know if he's alive or mm. passed, mm. you know, and uh, God was faithful. Mm. You know, he would have been faithful even if he had brought him home. Mm. But uh, it's just the uh, the whole concept. Um, but that's what Paul told Timothy. God's faithful, even when we're faithless, mm. because he cannot deny himself. God said it, and God's not a man that he should lie, and he tells the truth, and it's impossible for him to lie. And if he says, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be with you, we need to walk by faith and believe that, mm. and he shows us. And so, yeah, I mean, from the moment of conception to the time when I take my last breath, he knows that very moment. Mm-hmm. You know, in uh, Psalm 30, 139, he says, he knew all of my days before there was but one of, one of them, and he's written in his book. And so um, my book isn't full yet, mm. but um, I had one of the friends at church uh, said, I'm just praying that God will keep you around another 20 years. And I go, I don't want to be around in 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Be 92. <laughs> you, know? you know, and I mean, and that's, you know, easy to say when, um, but... I, I see so many people, and I've seen other people that have uh, been as sharp as a tack at 100. Yeah. You know, but uh, my days are not in my hands. Right. But uh, in the faithful God that uh, takes us on. You know, I, I appreciate you quoting scripture that, that he's he cannot deny himself. Amen. And, you know, I think so often we think that if God's going to be faithful, then he's going to, then what we're talking about is he's faithful to make it the way I want it to be. Oh, boy. And, you know, it, I think Romans 8.28, for God causes all things to work together for good, and right away we start to uh, decide what good is. Well, good's going to be... Uh, I, th- this problem will be fixed this way. I will feel better. I will be healed. I will be rich. Uh, and we start to, you know, we, we start to assume or expect. We place on God what the goodness is. But then if we go to the next verse, verse 29, he tells us what his goodness is. And that's conforming us to the, the image, image of his son. Yes. And that's his goodness. But and, and, and you think, oh now how why is that so good? That's how we were created. You bet. That is our design. You know, it, and, and so there's not going to be any contentment, there's not going to be any fulfillment, there's not going to be any joy or rest unless we're living according to our created purpose. That's his image. And God is so faithful to that. And I'm I'm so thankful. That you know, so and, and so that's why his why Christ's half brother James could say, "Consider it all joy 
when you Amen. encounter various trials, because the joy and people hate that too. You know, they they want to water that down and and and, and, and manipulate that. That well, joy is. Um, I used to teach James, and every year I'd ask the question: Are we supposed to be happy with the pain in our life? And I would divide them up into groups, let them discuss it. Some of you alumni will remember this. And we had some of the most heated discussions of the year. And uh, and then it would be my turn. And I would say, okay, and inevitably, every year, I can't think of a year where this did not happen, where the students would say, well, joy and happiness are two different things. Uh, happiness is an emotion and joy is a state of being. I said, okay, well, that's that's interesting. You're thinking. Um, I said, here's... Here's the here's what um, here's here's what Webster says about joy. And you look up joy and you find all oh, happiness. So now let's go look at happiness in Webster's, and we go look up happiness and we find joy. So okay, well that's Webster. Okay, well let's look at let's do a word study of this. And so we start to look at joy and we find oh my goodness, <laughs> joy is an emotion. And then and then you look through every other time it's used throughout Scripture. So many times it's describing an emotion. And now, now people get uncomfortable that we're supposed to be joyful in these things. And, and then, you know, to cut to the, to the quick there, it's, yeah, but it's not, you know, the Lord's not telling us to be joyful with the pain, but that he's, conf- that, that, that as you go on in that passage, you know, consider all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's the joy. The joy is our com- perfectness and our completeness. The, and, and our perfectness and completeness is Jesus Christ. And so th- 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 our, th- there, is, there is a happiness for us in our pain. Amen. Not with the pain, but in it. Right. Because Jesus is... I, I know I'm going off on this, and I appreciate your patience, but this just came to my, my mind. We had a student here whose name was Happiness. Wow. And uh, she was from Africa. She uh, sh- she had an incredible story. Uh, if you remember, oh, probably 12, 10, 12 years ago, in Africa there was a problem with these Muslims going into villages and kidnapping these girls. And taking them back and uh, either selling them into the slave trade, human trafficking, or they would force them to be wives in, in, in uh, these Muslim homes. Well, she was staying in a boarding school, and those men came in. She ran to her room, and she hid under the bed. And these men, one of these men came into the room, and she could see his feet walking around the bed. And... He looked around, couldn't find anybody, so he left. She said she was under that bed praying. And we had that big debate going on in class, and the students were kind of, they were, I could sense, they were really struggling over what I was saying about this, this joy. And I went up to her and I said, Happiness, when you were under that bed, would you say that you were happy? And she sat there, and she just stared at me, and then she started to think out loud. She says, I was praying. Jesus is my joy. And then she just stopped for a second, looked back at me. She says, yes, I was happy. Wow. 
And it wasn't with the fear. It wasn't with what was about to happen. It was that, that she was under that bed hiding in the presence of the Lord. That Jesus, her, Jesus was her life. That's what she said. Jesus is my life. Yes, I was happy. Amen. And uh, so I appreciate that. He's faithful. He's faithful to reveal himself in us in any situation. And then, you know, sometimes he's merciful in that. Sometimes, you know, he shows us his grace. He shows, he always shows us his grace and his mercy. But, you know, sometimes he does. I know that, you know, you had cancer. And that was, my goodness, how many years ago was that? I had two years to live. Wow. That's what the doctor said. Yeah. 34 years ago. Right. And and I'm sure you could give testimony that what the Lord's done in your heart has been much more than just letting you live longer. But... But just the the wealth of of all these uh, every one of these years, the things he's done in your heart, that you would say that that's you know that's his faithfulness. Amen. Um, Amen. And so I think we sell. I, I think what we're saying is that we sell his faithfulness short because oh, we, you bet we think his faithfulness is all about us. Right. <laughs> but you're right when he says, "I'm conforming you to the image of his son." Yeah. You know, I mean, that's and that's the goal. He said he would. And he will, as we either go through it with happiness or just fighting all the way, he's going to accomplish his good pleasure. That's right. Well, it's Christ in you. That's right. To work out his good pleasure. It's so. it's all about him. It's not about us. He simply allows us to live in who it's all about. Amen. And that's, you know, what an incredible, what an incredible good God. <laughs> Just that's right. What a privilege! Yeah, isn't it? You bet. It's a privilege to go through what we go through, yeah, and allowing um, our human flesh and our bodies to be used by God. It's mm. amazing what yeah. He'll do. I yeah, this is, I I really appreciating this conversation so much. I knew I would before we got into it. I, I you know, the six years that we were gone from staff, um, were the six hardest years of my life. You know, you, you, you decide you're going to, you, you know, this is an incredible calling. It's a kind of challenge. You're going to go take care of your dad who has Alzheimer's and help your mom with this. And, and you know, it was six years of just, oh, my goodness. You know, it was nothing like we thought it was going to be. And, it, it, you know, there were, there were many mornings I woke up, and I know I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but you're the one getting interviewed, not me. <laughs> but I, I remember... I can't tell you how many mornings I woke up just staring out of the window. You know, not knowing the depression that I was dealing with was, I always, I mean, I've always known I've been prone that direction with things, but I never knew I could go that far to where I, I, I literally had to fight the urge to just curl up one, one time on wow. a couch and just shut down. And that scared me because I'm thinking, what is going on here? Um, but to say that, you know, and, and, and then, you know, say this is the same guy that was just saying that, you know, consider it all joy, it's happiness. Yeah, because I can tell you that those were six of the richest years of walking with the Lord that I've had in the 56 years I've been alive. Well, isn't that the exciting part of Christianity? Yeah. You know, he takes us on, usually in spite of us. Yeah. And then we get the privilege to look back. And see his faithfulness and mm. go, wow. Yeah. You know, people ask me and say, you know, um, what is, you know, being a um, married to the same woman 
we we celebrated uh, 52 years mm. of being Valentines mm. and um, mm. uh, 50 years of marriage, and there's just one word, just God's grace. Yeah, you know, it's always God's grace. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I really appreciate that. You know, with just talking about marriage and and you know, one one woman, one man. Amen. And. God's design and what he does with that, you know, to the way he really makes you one, uh, you know, I just, man, you know, I want to encourage the younger people who are, you know, that are, are not married that are listening to this to know that it is worth waiting. It is worth waiting for what God has for you in marriage. Oh, amen. And, but that's our society says, you know, feels good. Yeah. Do it. You know, um, I was with your son-in-law. Yeah. Um, and they've been married five years. Yeah. You know, and what a privilege to sit and talk to him about, you know, God's faithfulness in my marriage mm. and that his goal is to uh, carry on and to take care of your daughter mm-hmm. the way he has watched and seen other men take care of their wives. Yeah. You know, and so... You're a blessed man. I am. No, I really am. He's been a real blessing to our family. And and I just am so thankful to watch the love between them, you know, as he loves her and she respects him. Amen. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's such a blessing. I'm thankful to the Lord for that. And, you know, with, you know, you know, with that, uh, isn't it interesting, you know, now that, you know, you've been married for, I'm sorry, how many years did you say? 50 years. 50 years. And Arlene and I have been married for 35. Isn't it amazing? I, I'll tell I tell people this in, in, uh, in, in, in the marriage counseling before, you know, before the wedding. That uh, you're going to get into this. And about six months into it, you're going to wonder what in the world have I gotten myself into. And I've had people tell me, you know, years later, they'll say, I thought you were out of your mind when you said that. I, one one fellow told me, on our honeymoon, all of a sudden I realized Kelly's right. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing to go through because what the Lord's doing is he's getting rid of all the Hollywood ideas. Oh, boy. And then he's really bringing the two of you together. And you find out that she's not perfect. And despite your best effort, she has found out that you're not perfect. And then you really get to see what the Lord's going to do with two imperfect people. And what he does is perfect. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I know that, uh, you know, I really appreciate how Chris is always with you. You know, when you guys travel, she's always with you. You guys are a team. We are. And, uh, and and together have been a blessing to so many people. Uh, it's uh, it's an incredible example. I just really appreciate the relationship that we have that His Hill has with with the two of you. Well, it's our pleasure to be able to come down and you know see young people, to see you older people, you know, <laughs> but to uh, see what God's doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we hadn't been here uh, for two years because of COVID, mm-hmm. and. Um, so to come down and they have a new staff, you yeah. know, the yeah. old guys are still here, but, you know, the younger people that are growing and um, seeing them uh, make commitments to one another and growing in their yeah. faith, um, 
It's, I feel like you know, I feel I should have come down and just sat here with, with COVID. It didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the staff has changed a lot. It, it has. And, we, and they're very, very young. Uh, Charlie and I have talked about it on several occasions that they remind us of us, you know, 30 years ago. Oh, amen. And, uh, but I tell you what, it, it's something else that we've talked about is they are so much more advanced than we were, you know, just uh, in their maturity, spiritual maturity, and, and how they treat each other. We've been really encouraged with this group of people. And, yeah, they're great. And, and we look forward to what the Lord's going to continue to do yeah. with them. I mean, they know how to use an iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's true. They do. Uh, I'm. I've finally reached that age where I have to ask my kids. You know, oh, me too. How to fix this? How, what's going on here? Yeah, ask your grandkids. That's just, you know, you're going wow. <laughs> and uh, our granddaughters say, "Well, you just do this and that." And yeah, and okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> Could you do it again? <laughs> yeah. Could you write it down? Could write that down. <laughs> okay. Amen. Now, uh, before we end the interview, we've got to talk about Cowboys Rest. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, you had mentioned earlier that after pastoring for about 10 years, then you and Chris both kind of felt the, the nudge to, to work more with a camping ministry. Right. And that has become Cowboys Rest. You want to tell our listeners what that's all about? Well, Cowboys Rest is a uh, um, not a geriatric camp for old cowboys. <laughs> but uh, in, in our part of Nevada, it's um, cowboys are a big deal. They have cowboy poetry. Mm-hmm. They have cowboy coffee and uh when we finally found this place uh and i'd been all over nevada all my life and um it's probably one of the uh, most treed areas you know it's not like the hill country and Mm -hmm. you know there's all sorts of trees you never cut a tree down in nevada okay because it takes hundreds of years just to get a sapling going wow you know so uh we found this place and um you know god provided uh, a place um, where we can really come together. It's an old ranch that we uh, remodeled, and God provided uh, electricians and heavy equipment guys and uh, plumbers. And, um, you know, where well, I was not skilled to do any of that stuff. Mm. And um, so we started camping um, 1999. We had our first um, camp. We had one camp 13 kids okay you know and um and they had a great time um a lot of those have come back and been on staff Mm. uh and so uh we began seeing uh god bless um the different camps we run eight weeks of camp and then we uh, rent the uh, facility out to different churches for retreats okay so yeah we just finished our our winter camping um uh, weekends, uh, we don't do a whole week then. Um, lots of snow, 18 inches of ice. And, wow. Uh, and the kids do crazy things, and I just pray that nobody gets hurt. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a place where people can come. Uh, one of our biggest weekends is uh, our family roundup, keeping with the cowboy theme. Um, mm-hmm. Bring your family up. We have a guest speaker um, who teaches four different hours, two every uh, day, and then uh, one at each end, mm. and um, about family issues. Mm. And then we have a special needs camp, which um, has probably been the greatest impact on our staff to see special needs children come 
and be able to enjoy, you know, uh, some outdoor activity. We ourselves have a um, 17-year-old autistic nonverbal mm. grandson. Mm. So maybe that's uh, one of the reasons we do the camp. But um, to have a special needs uh, pastor come in mm. um, and to teach. Uh, we have breakout groups for uh, how to minister to your child, you know, and it's um, one of the highlights for me, probably because of our own situation, but to see our staff realize that uh, these special needs kids are special mm. and they're special to the Lord. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, after that weekend, we sit down and, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of uh, kids realizing that, you know, how blessed they are. Mm. But to see these other kids who uh, come with different, all sorts of different special needs, you know, from Down syndromes to autism to eating uh, disorders. And um, so, yeah, that's been a highlight. But we do that. you know, people say, well, how much is going to come? I, I said, I wouldn't charge them anything, you know, to come. But there's always expenses. But if I could, I'd just run camp free, mm. you know, because it's, it's a, we just see God move when kids are out in the open. Mm. You know, we're at 6,600 feet elevation uh, up to uh, 6,800 feet, 10,000 wow. foot mountains right behind us. Wow. And so we hike and we shoot. Um we do water sports, but most of all, we share the message of Jesus Amen. Christ. Same kind of, and they all want to get baptized. You know, mm. I want to get baptized in the reservoir. And we have we call the parents, of course. Right. And uh, a lot of parents say, well, we'll, we'll be there. Oh, that's you great. Know, you know, yeah. we, and we, you know, we want you to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it's been neat. Um, it's sort of a... Um, People said, well, I've never heard of Cowboys Rest. You know, and I said, well, we try to stay under the radar, you know, from government uh, intervention. But uh, right now after 20, well, it's a 23rd year, um, you know, people are saying, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Mm. You know, and uh, you invite them to come. And um, no matter what their uh, background is, we have, you know, all sorts of backgrounds that come, uh, Christian, non-Christian, um, and different religions, but um, they come and um, get to hear the message, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we're there. You know, so how uh, if anybody was interested in checking out Cowboys Rest, how would they find you? I think we have a web page. I don't know how it works. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually Cowboys Rest, all one word, no um, parentheses or no uh, um, cowboys, no pos- uh, possessive. Um, okay, no apostrophe. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. And um, cowboysrest.org. Okay. And it's online. Um, I showed the uh, staff, I mean, the kids last night, the uh, little promotional, mm-hmm. and um, talking about what we do and why we do it. And okay. it's all for God's glory. Amen. Well, Bob, it's been great uh, spending time with you. I appreciate you because I know you're busy this week and I appreciate you taking some time out to do this. Uh, for the uh, listener, I uh, just want you to know that Bob's also going to be giving a devotion and we're about to record that and we'll have it play um, a little later. Uh, so we'll uh, let you know about that. So anyway, Bob, thanks for being here. really appreciate well, you, I brother. appreciate you. You know, when we've been on staff together, yep. you know, we're coming, you don't get times like this. 
you know, yeah. just you and I. I mean, spend an hour talking about, you know, our heart's desire. Yeah. And, you know, we're always so busy. Yeah, exactly. You have that class and I'm in this class. And, yeah. You know, so it's been a blessing to me, brother. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Well, thank you, Bob. And uh, look forward to maybe doing this again sometime. That'd be my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast featuring Bob Burroughs, a previous staff member and longtime friend of the Hill. We hope it was uplifting to hear Bob's testimony and how God has worked in his life. Our Chill at the Hill Youth Retreat kicks off tomorrow and the forecast is looking like it will actually be pretty chilly on the hilltop this weekend. Who would have thought? Please pray for the campers that are coming this weekend that their hearts would absorb the truth that is to be shared during their time with us and that our students would have servant hearts while helping to lead the activities and cabin times. We have our annual Lays Retreat coming to the Hilltop April 1st through the 3rd and we would love to welcome you here that weekend. There will be time of fellowship, worship, and teaching from Dr. Anita Cooper, the beloved director of the Bible Teaching Program at Columbia International University in South Carolina. If you would like more information or are interested in attending, please contact our office by email at retreats at hishill.org or by phone at 830-995-3388. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty and Bob Burroughs. If you would like to get in touch with Kelly, please feel free to reach out to him via email. Kelly can be reached at kelly at hishill.org. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie. See you next week.